0: Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History Advocate Hemingway. I'm back with Claudine, and today we're talking about... The famous Ernest Hemingway, but more so around a very famous painting. I'll let Claudine take it from here and tell us more.
1: Yeah. So it was just yesterday, July 2nd, 1961. So 62 years ago, yesterday, that Hemingway uh, ended his life. He was, he killed himself on that day after uh, about a year and a half of a lot of uh, depression and issues he was having that was. resulted from a lot of car accidents and a plane crash. Um, So kind of in honor of the anniversary of his death, I wanted to share a story that is actually one that I find fascinating. Um, And it goes back and it involves Hemingway, his first wife, Hadley, and his fourth wife, Mary, the one I don't like. (laughs) The one I don't like. (laughs) This is one of the reasons why I don't like her. So when Ernest and Hadley Hemingway first arrived in Paris in 1921, um, in that December of 1921, at the beginning of March of 1922, they met Gertrude Stein. um, And Gertrude Stein advised the young couple that they should spend their money on art. And if you've seen Midnight in Paris, which is kind of an amalgamation of a bunch of Different times in those characters' lives, Gertrude Stein is in there and she's with Matisse, and she's telling, you know, like she's buying some Matisse for a couple hundred Euros or Francs at that time, and telling Gil, you know, like she's like, Oh, he's like, Well, can I buy a couple of those? Realizing, like, you know, a hundred francs for a Matisse and knowing what those are worth now. Mm-hmm. So she did say, you know, you should be collecting, spend your money on art, don't spend it on clothes or food or anything. You should buy art. Um, and so he at that time, and she also instructed him that he should be going to the to the Luxembourg to study the Cezanne paintings, um, and so he, he she kind of really made him appreciate art a little bit more. And so he had met um, the artist, the Spanish artist Jean Miró, in Paris. Um, and John, uh, Gertrude Stein took took Hemingway to Miró's studio with André Maison on the Rue Blomet, and that is where she, he met the met the artist and saw him working on this landscape painting that was called "The Farm," um, and he instantly kind of fell in love with it. Um, She had purchased um, a couple paintings from Miro and Hemingway bought a couple of like small little um, postcards uh, size paintings that uh, he had done. And he said, you know, he's like this one painting. I really want this one. Can you hold on to it? And so um, he he kept thinking about it. He told Hadley about it. And he went to a this uh, this opening at the um, Gallery Pierre, which was on Rue Bonaparte, and took Hadley there and Hadley saw this painting of the farm. And she agreed that, yeah, they thought it was pretty great. So in April 1925, um, when he first saw that painting, um, he spoke about it for days and days and days. And then on June 12th, when they went to his one-man show, saw it again, and he had said he'd sell it to him for thirty-five hundred francs, which was far too expensive for what they were it, what they were living off of and in their inheritance from her uh, uncle. But that didn't stop him. So that night, he gave himself he gave Miro a check in his in his that he had for to was equivalent to about two hundred dollars. Um, that was pay uh, the pay that he was given for the articles he was writing that summer. Um, that night on the roll of a dice and a flip of a coin Shipman, who was a friend of his, he also really wanted this painting. Evan Shipman was a writer as well, and he said he really wanted. It. And so they almost had to literally duke it out, um, to figure out. And so the next day, Hemingway was able to come up with 500 francs more, and he came down and put that also on the painting. Wow. He really knew he needed to get that painting. Yeah, he really wanted it a lot. So he'd stop by there um, anytime he could, giving a little bit more money here and there until he owned the painting outright In September 30th, 1925. And he took it home and gave it to Hadley for her birthday. Her 34th birthday was on November 9th of that year. And he gave it to her. And it is a, it, the most important part of the entire story is that he gave it to ha- Hadley on her 34th birthday. So remember that. The painting um hung above their bed at 113 rue Notre Dame de Champs. This is that was the second location they, they lived after they moved um, from Carnet de Mois and they came, they had their son Jack in Toronto and then moved back here. And um, that's where they were living. And um they remind them of their better times of their life. Uh, that was before they went to Spain and it was on that return trip from Spain that they uh decided to get divorced. Um, Merrill's a farm was a landscape of his family's home near Barcelona. And I'll have pictures of this on my website. Um, he painted in 1921 and it was as kind of his love letter to the place that he um, grew up and where he lived. Um, the painting is four feet by four feet. And one is one of the best um, pieces that he said he'd ever done when he arrived in, in Paris, he brought it with him and he showed it to an art dealer that told him he should just cut it up into smaller pieces and sell it. Whoa, I'm glad he yeah. didn't do that. And I know not very nice. Um, When Hemingway and Hadley split up the next year in 1926, she told him to keep it. But he said, no, no, no. This is a gift for your birthday and you I want you to have it. And it remained with Hadley and then her second husband, 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 (laughs) (laughs) husband, Paul, which we did a whole episode about her in the first year. So I'll put a link to that so you can listen to it. Um, And they returned to Illinois, they moved back to Illinois in the 1930s, and they took the, the painting with them. While still in Paris, the gallery Pierre attempted to repurchase it um, at a much larger profit and, and Hemingway always replied to no and to he said, quote unquote, shove the $1,000 up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Hadley um, and Paul ended up loaning it at one point to the Art Institute of Chicago for many years until Gallery Pierre asked again to borrow it on behalf of an art dealer in New York, asking Hemingway and not Hadley again. But this time he said yes. Hadley sent it to New York, but it would have no idea that it would be the last time she ever saw it again. It was stolen. It was, yeah, basically, after the loan, after the loan, the farm returned to Hemingway and Key West and not to Hadley. When Hemingway and Martha Gellhorn set up their home in Cuba, that's wife number three, he brought the painting with them and hanging on the wall in the dining room. And there is a picture of him um, that I've seen with him playing with one of the infamous cats with the painting in the in the background. In 1958, he agreed once again to loan it to the Museum of Modern Art in New York. But getting it out of Cuba was a whole nother story that he told them they could borrow it, but they had to come and get it. He wasn't going to deal with anything about trying to get it there. The MoMA planned to send a curator to Cuba on January 4th, 1959. But little did they know Cuba was going to collapse and fall into a revolt on the final day in 1958. Oh, man. So, yeah. Hemingway called it off. And after a few weeks of negotiation, he um they tried to they tried again and they promised that if, if it was destroyed, destroyed, they would compensate him for it. On February 1st, the curator of the MoMA, David Vance, arrived in Cuba and he had located an armored truck that would take him out to the Finca, which is where Hemingway lived. Obtained the painting and returned to the airport. A special crate was even made, but um, arrived in Panama instead of Cuba, along with the customs paperwork. So it was just doomed. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> so many yeah. things.
1: And well, I guess. I mean, the real question is, why didn't it go back to Hadley in the first place? Well, yeah. So there was a note, which we'll talk about it. But um, getting it to the airport through the roads in the past, it was destroyed and it was a harrowing experience. But about to take off, the Cuban soldiers sped down the runway and stopped them from removing the painting and not allowing them to take off. The museum was able to convince the embassy that the paintings were on loan and return us at a specific date. But it would never they'd never come back to Cuba, thankfully. Wow. well, the paintings were at the moment. Curators looked at it and saw that it was horrible shape it was in. The paint had faded and cracked, and, and from the mildew from its former tropical home, um, and just all of the moving around it did. Hemingway's fourth wife, Mary, told them it was in great condition, which would later cost Hemingway over fifteen hundred dollars that he personally had to pay to restore it. She was livid and she was forced to pay for it, and said it was their fault that they didn't have any. They everything of it with it was fine. That sounds like a total Mary move. I know. It was totally Mary. Um, The painting was on loan to MoMA's personal permanent collection at the time of Hemingway's death on July 2nd, 1961. And in December of that year, Hadley and Paul sent his widow, Mary, a letter asking for the painting that belonged to Hadley returned. Mary was outraged and said that the, the painting belonged to Ernest. And a letter to her lawyer was shocked that the Moors even had the nerve to ask for it. That's another total Mary move. It is. A year after his death, Paul and Hadley decided to sue Mary, go Hadley, and the estate for the painting that rightfully belonged to her. Once they contacted the MoMA and let them know, it forced the museum to hold on to the painting until the legal proceedings concluded. So thankfully, it stayed in the hands of the museum. Um Hemingway was a pack rat and he saved every single piece of paper he touched which I'm sure was also a nightmare but thankfully he did that. Mary had someone go through all of his papers to see if they could find anything that mentioned anything about the the painting. Valerie Hemingway had found a letter that Hemingway had sent to Hadley asking if he could borrow it for 6 months and he would return it to her afterwards because it belonged to her. I can't believe she didn't just burn that piece of paper. She did. she did and so you know hadley and hemingway stayed close until he died you know they had a son together and they would still send letters back and forth and call each other on the phone and and exchange christmas gifts um and he confided in her a lot and would ask for her um advice about things um when mary found that letter she burned it that's a total mary move yep she wanted to end the fight in the legal battle, so she settled with Mary, um, Mary settled with Hadley in 1963, resulting in a payout of just $25,000, which I'm sure would be worth a lot more now, um, that Mary very begrudgingly paid, which was less than 10% of the current value of the painting at the time.
0: What? Oh, my gosh.
1: But she was such an angry woman when she knew um, Just in general, when she knew that the MoMA responded to the lawsuit and didn't side with her immediately, she threatened to loan the painting to another museum. She had no intention to let them keep it and wanted it for her apartment in New York to once again hang in her dining room. It had been five years since it left Cuba and two years since its biggest fan took his life. Moma asked yet again to borrow it for a Miro retrospective, and the Mary, of course, said no. She was keeping it. However, she would allow the National Art Gallery to display it in 1976, which just ticked off the MoMA. <laughs> yeah. But she never got past the fact that she believed that the MoMA had ruined it. And so she wanted to make sure they would never see it again. So in 1986, Mary bequeathed it to the National Gallery with one stipulation that it had to have her name on it as the donor. She was a total nut job. What happened to Mary? Mary. Well, she died later, thankfully alone, but I was in DC in March and I went to the national gallery and I went to go see this painting and it was just this amazing moment when I got to see it. And then when I saw that the plaque sure enough says that it was donated by Mary Hemingway, I flipped off that plaque. (laughs) But she got the last word, I guess. She did. And so I made a video of it, but it took me like two hours to do it because there was like a whole entire like teenage school trip there. And they were doing some sort of like scavenger hunt throughout the museum. And there was something in the painting that was on the scavenger hunt. And I was just waiting for two hours for them to leave so I could make this video without these kids making all this noise and laughing and having a lovely old time in the museum. (laughs) scavenger hunt for two hours yeah
0: Yeah, dc is always the the national portrait gallery is like one of my favorites that was
1: closed when i was there i was really bummed out Ah,
0: that's the best one yeah
1: but you know hemingway in those last years um you know that last year and a half he was you know in his life he was in four different car accidents the first one being in 1930 and then he had three of them In a year um, between the end of May 1944 and the start of June 1945, he had three car accidents, all of them resulting in um, him hitting his head at some point, you know, gashes. He had the thing in Paris when he took the giant gash out of his forehead when he was opening up the what he thought was flushing the toilet and he pulled the thing for the um, skylight gashed his head he was in a plane crash in january tw- on t- january 23rd 1954 which was actually uh, stated in the papers all over the world that he died um and so he had a lot of issues um just brain damage and from concussions and so that uh august 4th 1960 was the last time he was in paris um and then august he began to kind of have Panic attacks, and he would get confused, and he, you know, he was having problems with his vision. Um, and his good friend Hotchner, A.E. Hotchner, he brought him down to Cuba because he wrote this article article for Cosmopolitan magazine, which back then was a, much different than the Cosmo we know today. I was gonna say, uh, what did you write about? How to even is that still husband? even a magazine? <laughs> it was like I don't even different. know. Cosmo was still even a magazine, but back then it was like, you know, hard hitting news. And so he wrote this article for them and it was something like, you know, 60,000 words, which is insane for a magazine article. And they told him they're like, you need to pare this down. And he kind of was in a panic. He didn't know how to do it. Like he couldn't do it. He just absolutely couldn't do it. All that but brain damage. He, yeah. He called us from a e. Hotchner and he came down. And helped him um do it. And he Hotchner would also help him work on his screenplays. Um Hotchner was also the one that started um Newman's own with Paul Newman. And so No oh, way, the salad dressing? Yeah. So A.E. Hochner just died a few years ago at like 102 years old, I think it was, and just like bazillionaire.
0: Man, he did a lot of cool stuff. Did, did you see of- that um what is it? Uh Nat Geo just closed down. Mm-mm. magazine oh no. yeah they just laid off the last 19 people it's done oh, That's Next so year. sad. I know I was like I never thought that would close I couldn't I remember it.
1: we'd get those magazines every month when I was like yes I wanted to work so for them long. when I was a kid I was like Nat Geo so oh, cool. it's done that's so sad yeah very sad um yeah well i'm sure i mean and they just have that whole huge exhibition that's on the wall around notre dame that was done by a nat geo photographer yeah they're closing down it was end of an era people don't read or take magazines anymore it's all on the internet yeah everything's on the internet but um yeah so Hemingway was just having a lot of issues he was getting depressed he was just getting like he was they thought he was paranoid he kept saying how um j edgar hoover was like spying on him and all of these things and that he um you know he was basically um he said he would see people on his property and so everybody thought he was crazy well sure enough after he died years later they did find out that hoover and the cia was spying on him yeah because he was living in cuba they thought he was a spy (laughs) well because he was out there and he was kind of like spying on cuba for the americans but doing it all on his own like just out of the goodness of his own heart. And yeah, I remember that cuz everyone thought he was nuts. I was like, no, actually they were watching him. <laughs> they were watching him. And so he just kind of started, you know, and he he had so many problems with his vision because of, you know, he had double vision sometimes and, you know, and you know, his years and years of drinking heavily and stuff and all of those things. So he the first time he went to the Mayo Clinic November 30th, 1960 for hypertension. He had an enlarged liver. He had all these issues. And then they gave him electric shock therapy, um, which they did that for about a month and a half. And then in beginning of Jan 1961, he returned back to Idaho. Um, He tried to kill himself twice on April 21st and April 23rd, both with a gun. Um, And he went back to the Mayo Clinic again for two months. Um, And then he came back to Idaho and convinced them that he was fine And while he was there, he was working on the final pages, final chapters of his pair of sketches, which we will now know as the Movable Feast. Um, And then he went back, he got back to Idaho on January or June 30th. And on July 2nd at 730 in the morning, he woke up, went got a shotgun and killed himself.
0: That's so sad. Like he just needed some help. And I don't know why anyone ever thought electrocuting you was a great idea.
1: I don't know. I think that they actually still do it in some, for some things, but that just doesn't sound great to me. Yeah, it
0: doesn't sound like the best way. Uh-uh. Well, we had a very interesting episode today. I think we <laughs> just need to continue to hate Mary, basically. Never met a Mary I liked. And uh, check out our lovely
1: Mary listeners. <laughs> oh yeah, actually
0: there is a Mary I like. She's wonderful. She's from the AFMO group and she's cool. She's cool. Everyone else, not so much. Uh, And make sure you head over to ClaudineHemingway.com to learn more, check out her blog, read more, and tune in next week. Thanks for listening today, guys. If you're interested in learning more about Claudine, her tours, history, and the beautiful photographs that she posts all over Instagram, tune into her website, ClaudineHemingway.com.